0: The United States Postal Service has been around since 1775. And so implementing operational excellence is a key to improving and keeping up with the ever-changing business environment.
1: Welcome to There's a Better Way, a podcast series focused on exploring how operational excellence principles can provide solutions in your personal and professional life. Each episode, Dr. Arvind Chandrasekharan, professor and academic director at The Ohio State University Fisher College of Business, will sit down with a prominent expert or faculty leader to discuss problems we face in our world today. This program is brought to you by the Master of Business Operational Excellence. Welcome to There is a Better Way. I'm here with Linda Richmond, Western Area Master Blackbelt for the United States Postal Service. Linda is also a proud graduate of our MBOE class of 2017. Welcome to the program, Linda.
0: Thank you. I'm excited to be here.
1: Linda, first of all, let me ask you this. Your title goes as uh, you are the Western Area Master Blackbelt for USPS. And i have talked to several executives and they have fancy titles like directors or vice presidents. This is even fancier than that, Linda. So can you tell us more about what does that mean?
0: Absolutely. So from the Western area, so I'll start with that, Western area from USPS. So I do work for the United States Postal Service. And Western area is the largest geographic area, if you think of breaking out the USPS into an organization um, that supports, you know, across the United States. Western area really encompasses more than 14 states, 6,000 facilities, Um, You know, if you think of it geographically, everything from Minnesota um, south to Arizona and then also west all the way to Washington state and all the states in between, including Alaska as well. And so my title as Master Black Belt for Western Area is really the developer, director, and deployer for continuous improvement across that, uh, across our area. So it's, a, it's really driving and managing the continuous improvement program across a large part of the United States.
1: So you're looking at like several thousands of people at USPS actually looking and working on these problems. And you, you manage these initiatives. Is that right?
0: Absolutely. In fact, the Western Area, we have 106,000 people that are everyone, and that includes executives all the way to area vice president and all the way through executives end, including all of our craft employees, which is our representative workforce. And that, you know, it, people would often think about it, the carriers that they see walking down the street and the trucks that they see driving by, you know, it's all of the people, employees that support delivering the mail, um, you know, each and every day.
1: So one thing that I've noticed, Linda, even like uh, in in my own personal experience, looking at the USPS mails delivered to me, you still have certain amount of paper-based mails, but increasingly I've seen those smaller trucks delivering more and more packages. And that is becoming a, a feature because of the emergence of electronic mails. People don't send letters, but they send more packages. Is that affecting USPS operations? And tell us more about how do you manage some of the complexity that arises because of different size of packages and different types of things, and how is it creating problems for you?
0: Absolutely. So let me kind of give you a little bit of a scope and measure in terms of USPS. And again, you know, although a direct... The continuous improvement, because it's really, when you think about it, you know, the organization, just USPS as a whole, started in 1775. So it's very much a business that has continued to change and evolve over time. So let's kind of start with scope. And so first of all, think about USPS overall, you know, we deliver in every two days, over 1 billion pieces of mail. Right, so um you know, <laughs> right half of half them you know just that's just astounding, right and and twenty million pieces of that alone, right that you know, if you think about it, that's per hour, right, so twenty million pieces an hour um that we're supporting of that, so now let's kind of start to say, okay, well, now I know it, you know a billion pieces of mail um every two days in a year. That 150 billion pieces of mail, it's starting to change, right?
1: Mm-hmm. So we
0: know now, and, and just recently over the last five years, for instance, we've seen a huge change in our organization, moving more from letters to more of packages. For instance, last year alone, we delivered 5 billion packages. And that is a change. You know, over the past four, five years, for instance, it was, um, you know, we, our package growth doubled right, but our volume and our letter volume itself, we dropped more than a third, so exactly to your point, and you're exactly right, um, the mail volume has changed, and so that's really where my job comes in, um, or a piece of it, so USPS, the actual product itself, has changed dramatically, you know, from delivering from Pony Express now to, hey, how are we going to do that even more efficiently and effectively? So just think, for instance, one plant. A plant used to have as the major product, right, letters moving through. And so your systems and your equipment, your you know, processing of that, the speed, the number of people, the transportation, the number of docks, everything was really based on that mail volume. And as now the size and scope is changing quite dramatically and you're moving towards a package environment, then you see that we absolutely have to have different equipment to be able to support that size and shape, very different. In terms of trucks, how much capacity do you need? And what's the, the fuel that goes with just supporting that transportation? So yes, very much a huge mix and change in our efforts.
1: This is fascinating for me to just even listen, right, and process this. Tell us more about Linda from your standpoint. What are some challenges you face managing people in this organization and how some of the operational excellence principles that you actually have learned in MBOE and elsewhere are coming into use.
0: Absolutely. So it's tremendous. So I'll tell you the kind of overview that we have or the, our vision statements as we put it out um, in terms of continuous improvement. And that is we really we are going to engage and empower people through LSS mm-hmm. for overall execution. And I, and I used that. I discussed that. Um, and that's obviously, that's, that's you know, my goal. That's our vision here in terms of continuous improvement. But it is all about people. I mean, we do have an organization. Again, we have 106,000 employees out of the total 600,000 employees from USPS. Now, I, you know, I do support USPS overall, right? I'm on mm-hmm. a team that does continuous improvement for the full organization. But my direct responsibility is the 106,000 when i you know i started this um you know this effort five years ago so really ground zero and how do you take 106000 person organizations is extremely complex Mm -hmm. because think about that think about the geographic area all the different people across the board where there's very different cultures across states and individual plants and individual offices right Mm -hmm. so no matter where you're at if you're in the smallest rural post office um, versus, an, an, you know, a large city. That's a very different type of organization. And so my goal is to take 106,000 people and help them all become problem solvers mm-hmm. because in being a problem solver, in doing that daily continuous, continuous improvement, and that's really what I'm striving for. That's my vision. That's my goal. That's the true north of where we're going to head to. So as you're driving that, it really takes the, you know, laying out a strategy, laying out su- supporting um, standardization, training, figuring how to do sustainment. How do you engage all those people? And so I actually put a plan in place, um, and it's got a seven-year map, basically roadmap. That that um, was to how do you how do you start this? Where do you start, and where do you really take this whole transformation? Um, you know, year after year. And constantly improving it, constantly finessing and changing and evolving it as the organization itself evolves and changes. And so, absolutely, there's, there's, I would say there's really several keys to have made that successful. And frankly, it's been phenomenally successful.
1: Uh, Linda, I cannot think of anyone having a, a tougher job than what you just said, managing 106,000 people that are from various pockets of Western United States. And, and as you mentioned, some of them could be in Montana in a smaller USPS post office, and there could be another person in San Francisco again. So they have different expectations, different way of thinking about process. So in your in the last seven years, you mentioned that you, you've been doing this. What are some things that you've done specifically, Linda, to actually make sure that even though they are different, Everybody is a problem solver. Everybody is actually approaching this as a problem that they can solve and they have the tools and the capabilities to do so. So can you tell us more about what are some things that you've done? One or two specific examples on that?
0: Oh, absolutely. So, you know, let me kind of take the broad and then I'll go to some specific examples because it's, you know, it's really a kind of an amazing thing. So I'm gonna walk through a little bit of the roadmap kind of in and and some of those main things that have helped to grow. Um, organization, and then we'll talk about why and maybe a couple examples from that. So, you know, originally, if you think about it, the first thing, you know, I embarked on this, and, and when I say I, at that point, it really was I. I only had one black belt throughout 106,000 people. Um, So it was me, myself, and I reaching out to, okay, how, what kind of, you know, how do we do this, right? So how do we put in a strategy that is going to do ex- and focus on people becoming those problem solvers. And so, you know, I mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, as I started to put that plan together from, you know, the first thing was to lay out a standard approach, right? So standard, you know, coaching and templates. And, you know, I really worked on, in fact, you'll laugh, but I called it Tollgate Tuesdays, Mm -hmm. right? So we actually worked on application because the reality is you can train people, but if you do not apply Right? So it's one thing to tell people, but if you don't apply and show them and work with them and help them come up with some meaningful results, so actually immediately putting what they've learned to, you know, to, the, to their actual work, right? So tie it into the work. Um, you know, it, it really won't be effective. So we did. So we um, that's something created right away and did Tollgate Tuesdays so we could, you know, I could start to reach a lot of people quicker. And then I really, um, you know, started coaching and coming up with in each of, and and there's states, so you, they're actually called districts, they're not exactly by state lines, so we call them districts, but within those, then growing a particular coordinator, someone that would be my expert in each of those, and, and we actually have 12, so each of those particular districts. From there, it was training, and so reaching out to really get the message out, to give people the understanding of what those tools are. And it's not tools for tool's sake, but it's tools to learn how do you become a problem solver and how can I do it systematically? So it's really, really going right to the core of lean, which is understanding what the value is of lean, that it is a systematic approach. It is a scientific method. And if you really understand lean, it's about people in the whole first place, right? It's growing people, developing and helping them engaging them and understanding their best processes and ideas. From there, of course, it's sustaining, engaging, and, you know, continuing that. So now let me talk about a couple examples. When I tell you that um, we really do, we're still very project-based, and I'm going to explain that a little bit more, um, in our evolution and in our growth model, in terms of where we're at with an organization. The ultimate goal will be So let me again go to True North. The ultimate goal as we continue to extend and evolve um, will be that everyone is doing immediate changes as they see problems and they are engaged and empowered to be able to fix those, right? To make that difference. And we're still growing that, right? 106,000, you don't start, especially from a culture, frankly, that started as a compliance culture. And that's really what the organization was. You know when I came on board, right? It was really, you know, follow these steps, go by these rules, and you know it's exactly how you have to do work. So the goal is so that we're constantly evolving in every way. Having said that, a couple examples would be, for instance, let's just take something as as um, important as safety, because I think safety is important to every single person, right? Mm-hmm. Safety is it impacts every employee, so. We just finished, in fact, um, just briefed out across all of USPS as a as a way to coach and train um, us, you know, the 600,000 people. Um, a project that we did, and it's a very small station, so you'll love this. It's in Fargo, North Dakota,
1: mm-hmm.
0: a trollwood station, right? So it's a small station, but the core was to drive down um, accident rates. But most importantly, and that's obviously that's critical, right? We want to, our employees to be safe, but most importantly to be proactive. Mm-hmm. And so now it's teaching people to use standard standards, right? So how would I evaluate and how would I observe and what would I see out there that could be a safety hazard? So evolving whole organization, that small piece of it, right, um, to become those next, Problem solvers by looking and seeing, hey, I see these individual safety incidents or problems that could occur. How do I take those and improve on it so that's a, that's the small right and by the way, they've decreased their accident rate from fifteen to nine now, those are individual numbers that may not make a lot of sense when it uses overall rates and tar rates and you know, some of our best tools, right? Mm -hmm. But what's most important out of it is that it's proactive and people are now seeing, hey, these are accidents and I can abate them before they ever occur. Sure. (laughs) That's on the small scale. I do want to talk about the large scope. You know, there's, like I have projects going on right now that are from their multi-tiered projects, which, you know, frankly, I came up with a whole method that's never been done before. that we're implementing right now, and that's so that I can coach and move people at, this, at the fastest pace and le- get the learnings, the best learnings that are going on in throughout the district and, and bringing those across the whole organization. So that's a very different model mm-hmm. because, you know, as you start to grow, you find you have to move from being a siloed-driven problem-solving organization, which is you have to have results And you start with those and it helps coach and teach people. But then you move from that and really go to, how can I have people teaching each other, sharing best practices, learning across the whole organization, and then improving together.
1: So Linda, this is very useful for our audience, listeners out there, that what you're saying is, as a leader, if you want to make these kind of sustainable changes, it's not just enough for you to like look at small-scope projects, but those small-scope projects are very useful to get some quick results, but then you have to immediately go to those macro projects, as you talked about, where you're actually transforming the organization. Is that correct, Linda? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Linda, our listeners out there uh, may not have the complex job that you just described, uh, working with about 109,000 people from all over the western side of the U.S., but they do have some jobs where they require to create this culture of everybody is a problem solver at all lines, and they may not have access to those people uh, who might be at various parts within their organization. So, uh, from your experience, Linda, doing this very well at USPS, what are a few things that they should be thinking about as they approach this complex problem of creating this culture of continuous improvement?
0: I think I think the first thing that I would you know, go to is, no matter the size and scope of implementing Lean, um, and the, and it's Lean and Six Sigma, because we certainly use Six Sigma too, but, you know, and, and we can call it operational excellence um, as well, right? It's really important that it's it's about the people in the first place. It's engaging and empowering them. And so if you keep the real focus on, well, what, what are we doing? What's imperative? Why, how, how can I do this? Whether I have 10 people or three, you know, a hundred thousand, it's all about the people. And so implementing, you know, I use the tools themselves, number one, to kind of define, how do I get this out there? But it's also meeting with them and asking, go into the GEMBA, really relying on those lean concepts of, of, um, Engaging people and allowing them to, to talk about their problems, figure it, find a way to help them do that. Some easy tools, for instance, an A3, right? So having, teaching people how to use an A3 so that they can just walk through quick problem solving. Having a means and a communication method that they can, you know, anyone, again, 10 people to 100,000 can say, hey, here's my issue I have. And having a way for that to that communication to come across. Um sharing best practices, so showing and showing people that, hey, this is what someone has completed and done and made a change and it's accepted and it's actually you know it's empowering, right
1: mm-hmm. that they
0: can make that change right in their workforce and i think I think again, you know just going to those most basic concepts are you know is really a key,
1: yeah, and I think like Linda this is very useful because. I believe, like in an earlier podcast we had with uh, Charlie Goodwin, who was managing um, the Columbus uh, Airport Transport, and he had the same exact answer about people. And uh, it starts with the people and tools and all those things can come later. But respect and people are the best way to create and implement change in an organization. I do want to ask one more question, Linda, to you. I know that you mentioned about you had a seven-year plan of um, transforming USPS, one thing that a lot of leaders struggle with is this whole idea of sustaining some of these initiatives. So a lot of times you start implementing Lean Six Sigma operational excellence practices, but then it starts to dwindle as soon as the leader departs or takes a different part in the organization. So at USPS, what have you done, Linda, to make sure that your important work that you're actually doing right now continues to do, go on further even after you take on other roles at USPS?
0: Sustainment's really important to me because, well, number one, it was my capstone project um, mm-hmm. for the MBOE. And it really was on, on answering the question of how do we do sustainment? So, an enormous amount of projects, you know, taking those and making sure that we are continuing to track and monitor those. And so, a couple of things that came out of that. Um, one is, you know, having a method to a standardized method to continuously check and utilize, you know, your results and making sure that you're staying on target for up to a year. And and so let me uh, give you an example. So we certainly we do Hoshin planning, right? So I implemented that three years ago. And in using Hoshin planning, I don't use just use it for a strategy method, which of course it is, mm-hmm. and also to define what projects we're going to work on throughout the year. And of course it's that. But I've also converted the implementation plan to also become the red-green, am I on target with that project? Mm -hmm. So any project that we've completed within the last year, and even if that's small quick wins that someone came up with, they get entered into the Hoshin plan. And we've tracked them, and it's a red-green quick check. Are we continuing to stay on? You know, if we use the control chart, so if we use Mm -hmm. an IMR and we're continuing to track that, then... You know, being making sure that we really are maintaining that improvement. The next thing I'd say to that is your organization has to enable it. In other words, it's one thing for people to go, and I think it's a failure mode for a lot of organizations where someone will make a change, but they don't really get it into the management side, mm-hmm. as then that's now our standard work. So again, if you kind of think from a USPS perspective, we have a lot of levels of organization, um, from you know the top executive to all of our people, right? That are that that are really being the people that do the work. They're the ones that are truly making the difference to the customer. Hmm. And so as you look across there, if you make a, if a individual office makes a change and has a project, so again, let's say it's a safety improvement or it's a a um, parcel select, which just happens to be some of our, our particular types, right? And we make an improvement and we move things to 99.9% um, you know, availability or excellence. Then then it's not just that office that has to keep enabling that. Their organization changes. People move. There's a lot of you know, supporting and going to the plants. And so I have to make sure, we have to, system has to enable it to be able to supervisors understand it, the the plant, how do I hook in with the plant, that I can make sure that those interfaces still work so that I'm constantly being able to, you know, keep that change, if that makes sense. In other words, the infrastructure itself has to support those changes. And so that's a big area that we're really working on, that middle tier, mm-hmm. middle supervisory kind of support that's essential for changes to sustain.
1: To summarize what you just said is talk with the people, show respect, but then again, having these systems in place to ma- make sure that there is a daily cadence to how we are tracking and how we are improving this is essentially very critical for an organization, a complex organization like USPS, to make sure that there is sustainment of all these initiatives. So I want to, again, thank you for your time, Linda. I know you have a busy day today. I could see you're in in the gamba actually, I could hear a lot of uh, things outside. So uh, thanks again for all the thing and uh, joining us in the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of There's a Better Way. To listen to our other episodes and for more information on the Master of Business and Operational Excellence, please visit go.osu.edu backslash M-B-O-E.